The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank, the power of possible. Learn more at usbank.com newsroom. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, October 19th. In today's news, the Saudis search for a scapegoat. Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke violated his department's travel policy by making taxpayers pay for his wife's flights. And Afghanistan delays parliamentary elections after two top officials are assassinated by the Taliban. But first, the big idea. Facing a sharp increase in unauthorized immigration, President Trump on Thursday lashed out at Democrats and the leaders of Latin American nations, seeking to deflect blame and mitigate political damage by rallying up his base just weeks before the midterm elections. The president's mounting frustration was evident in a series of tweets in which he threatened to summon the military to guard the southern border. He also threatened to upend the recent trade deal that he inked with Mexico if that government fails to stop a large caravan of migrants making its way from Honduras toward the United States. Trump lacks the legal authority to carry out either of those drastic measures without congressional approval, but the threats highlight the potentially perilous political implications for the White House as voters prepare to go to the polls with Congress in the balance. At several recent campaign rallies, Trump has sought to engage conservatives by asserting falsely that Democrats not only favor open borders, but also want increased crime. Here he is last night at a rally in Missoula, Montana. This will be an election of Kavanaugh, the caravan, law and order, and common sense. That's what it's going to be. As pressure mounts on aides to do something, nerves have begun to fray inside the White House. National Security Advisor John Bolton and Chief of Staff John Kelly got into a loud shouting match over immigration just outside the Oval Office on Thursday. Several White House aides tell my colleagues David Nakamura, Josh Partlow, and John Wagner that Bolton accused Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen of not doing enough to stem the surge in border crossings. Then Kelly, who preceded Nielsen in the Homeland Security job and handpicked her as his successor, rallied to her defense. Aides described the argument as profane and loud enough to draw Trump's attention and stares from others in the West Wing. A White House official says that Nielsen then came to Bolton's office after that fight, and the two had a positive conversation about efforts at the border. While some GOP leaders in the House had initially hoped to focus their election message on the economy and the tax cuts, Trump has continued to highlight immigration. He's confident that his hardline views on enforcement will motivate his base and carry significant crossover appeal with independent and moderate voters who helped him win in 2016. Strategists tell him that he should not do this, but he feels like his unexpected victory two years ago validates his approach and his tendency to follow his own political instincts. Here he is in Montana. As you know, I'm willing to send the military to defend our southern border if necessary. All caused because of the illegal immigration onslaught brought by the Democrats because they refuse to acknowledge or to change the laws. They like it. They also figure everybody coming in is going to vote Democrat, you know. The immigration increase this year after a sharp drop in the first six months of his presidency has complicated Trump's immigration message. In response, he's been pushing aides harder and harder to enact more extreme policies, including making it more difficult for immigrants to seek asylum protections and other measures aimed at increasing criminal prosecutions of people who cross the border. The White House is also mulling a new policy, 
known as binary choice, which would detain migrant families together and give parents a choice, stay in immigration jail with their child for months or years as their asylum case proceeds, or allow their child to be assigned to a government shelter while a relative or guardian can apply to gain custody. In Washington, no matter how the midterms play out, the immigration issue could come to a head in December. Trump had threatened to force a partial government shutdown at the end of September to force Congress to authorize billions for his proposed border wall. Instead, he reluctantly signed a stopgap spending measure. That postponed a fight until December over the wall, and it means that the congressional session between the election and the new Congress, known as the lame duck, is likely to focus on immigration. So don't expect anything to calm down after the election. There's never a dull moment in D.C. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Friday. Number one, Trump said Thursday night that it appears Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi is dead. And he warned that the United States could consider, quote, very severe measures against Saudi Arabia if the kingdom is found responsible for his death. Trump's remarks reflect the vacillating strategies and views in the White House over its response toward one of its key Middle East allies. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin announced yesterday that he won't go to next week's investment conference in Riyadh bowing to pressure from conservative hawks on Capitol Hill. But other conservative hardliners here in the United States are mounting a whisper campaign against Khashoggi in an effort designed to insulate Trump from questions about his handling of the situation. In recent days, a cadre of conservative House Republicans closely allied with Trump has been privately exchanging articles from far-right outlets that suggest completely falsely that Khashoggi was an Islamic extremist. GOP officials say that Trump aides are being careful not to encourage this disparagement, but they're also not doing very much to contest it. Trump wants to give Riyadh an out, and the White House expects to have an official Saudi account of what happened to Khashoggi in the next few days. A person close to the White House tells us that Saudi officials are considering blaming Khashoggi's death on Major General Ahmed al-Assiri, the deputy head of Saudi intelligence and a close advisor to Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. In related news, during that rally last night in Montana, Trump also praised GOP Congressman Greg Gianforte for physically assaulting a reporter. The remarks from Trump at his rally drew boisterous cheers from the crowd, which applauded as Trump noted that Gianforte body slammed a reporter on the eve of a special election last year and won anyway. He marveled that hitting a reporter, quote, might help him. Number two. A new report from the Inspector General at the Interior Department says the agency secretary, Ryan Zinke, violated its policies on travel. The report found, among other things, that staffers in the solicitor office approved Zinke's wife and other individuals to ride in government vehicles and aircraft, even though Interior policy prohibited this practice. This summer, Zinke changed Interior's policy so that family members could ride with him on the taxpayer dime. Zinke also confirmed to investigators that he directed his staff to research the possibility of giving his wife a volunteer job at the department. One ethics official objected to this on the grounds that it was designed so that Zinke wouldn't have to pay for her to fly with him. Number three, Afghanistan has delayed legislative elections in the Kandahar province after two provincial officials were assassinated Thursday. A spokesman for President Ashraf Ghani announced Friday that the National Security Council had decided that Saturday's polls should be suspended by one week. The attack was immediately claimed by the Taliban, which had vowed to disrupt the polls. Thursday's attack was aimed at a meeting of senior U.S. military and Afghan leaders in Kandahar City. General Austin Scott Miller, the top U.S. military commander in country, was a target, 
but he escaped unharmed. One of those killed, though, was Lieutenant General Abdul Razik, the Kandahar police commander. He was a fierce anti-Taliban official who was considered the most powerful man in southern Afghanistan. In fact, he was so powerful that the U.S. had looked the other way at some of his own reported abuses because he kept American forward operating bases safe. His assassination has sent shockwaves throughout the country. Residents and officials in Kandahar describe an atmosphere of tension and sorrow. Ten candidates for seats in the country's lower house of parliament have been killed in pre-election violence. So have more than a hundred other Afghans. It's a timely reminder that we really should appreciate our freedom and safety when Americans go to the polls in three weeks. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, October 19th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you on Monday.